A couple of weeks ago, Pastor James brought us the first part of this sermon, which was on Peter. We're going to be looking at one Peter, and we're looking at the life of Peter. I'm going to be honest at this point, which I suppose should be always when you preach, but I'm going to be really honest at this point. My first thought was, oh dear, doesn't sound terribly exciting. But in preparing the second part of this, I have discovered that I have learned a lot from the life of Peter. I've discovered that, well, I can't relate, relate to some of Peter, but to a lot of Peter I can really relate. We have another person like King David who knew how to mess up big time. And I don't know about you, but I've always felt that's been one of my talents, is at times to get things wrong and to mess up. And Peter was one of those people that knew how to mess up. He knew how to get things wrong. And we can learn so much and be so encouraged by God's response, by the way Jesus dealt with Peter when he did mess up. I won't ask you how many of you mess up at times, because I think I know the answer. And the answer is, of course, we all mess up. We all get things wrong. Just some of us do it better than others, like everything else. Some of us are very good at messing up in quiet. Others mess up publicly. But it doesn't matter. We all mess up. So this sermon is for anyone who messes up. We saw that Peter was a fisherman. We always think poor, but evidently in those that era, in that place, fishermen could earn a good living. From what we read, it looked like Peter was probably had more than one boat, so he was actually probably quite a successful businessman. They always talk about him being unlearned. That meant he, he didn't have Bible learning. As to his education, we don't know. But what we did know, do know, and what we heard last week from James, he was a big, strong, go-for-it sort of guy. He was a guy well, led with his feet. He put his foot in his mouth and he went for it. If it was on his mind, he spoke it. He was one of those guys. Have you all met them? Yep, they're everywhere. And a lot of us will do it at times. He was one of these people, I'm sure, who spent a lot of time saying, gee, I wish I could take that back. I wish I had that rewind button like the TV and I could go back and unsay what I just said. But of course, that's not the way the world works. So we're going to have a look now at when he denies Christ and really messes up. I reckon there's going to be nothing in this that any of you haven't heard before. But what I want you to do is I want you to listen and try and hear within your spirit what God would say to you. The encouragement that's here. Matthew 14, 27 to 29. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Okay, I like Peter. He's in for it, isn't he? He's saying them, weak. Me, strong. What I'm hearing here is a bit of pride happening. I don't know about you, but to me that... Speaks of pride, doesn't it? I'm strong. It's not going to happen to me. We've all done that in life, haven't we? And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. 
that he said emphatically, if, you must die, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Even though they all fall away, I won't. Emphatically, I will not deny you. We've all been in that situation, haven't we? Where we have courage and bravado until the situation hits. Oh, it'll be fine. I can face this. I'm strong. And when the actual event happens, of course, what happens is we discover that human bravado is not worth a whole lot. So Peter's problem was, as a strong believer, he could rely on his own strength. He could rely on his own sense of pride that I will get through this, I will do it. He was physically capable. It sounds like he'd been a successful fisherman. He knew success. He knew victory. He knew doing things. He knew how to organise people. He knew how to run people. He was a competent leader. But he was a competent leader who was based on, I can do this. If he was a modern guy, he would have been looking himself in the mirror every morning and said, every day I'm getting stronger and stronger. I can do it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest Jesus, it was Peter that pulled out the sword and cut off the servant's ear. He was up for it. But then the pressure came. Mark 14, 66 to 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to evoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is one of those situations where it's easy to sort of roll your eyes and shake your head and say, oh, how weak is he? How silly is he? But he's in a life and death situation. That's what he's feeling anyway. He's in a situation where if he said, yeah, I'm one of them, he probably was expecting to be arrested and killed. He was confused. He was lost. The one he followed had been arrested. He, he actually was still being brave. He was the only one that stayed around. So he's in the same area. So he stayed there to see what's happened. But it's all just happening too much. And his own sense of strength has collapsed. But of course, this has happened before, hasn't it? What happened when he walked on water? Out to join Jesus. He got a certain distance and then started to sink. So I want to encourage you to know that your human strength can take you so far. Your bravado can take you so far. Your looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I can do this, can take you so far. But there's a point past which it won't do it. 
There's a difference between I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, and then knowing that God's strength in you can help you. The first denial. I neither know nor understand what you mean. I, I, I know nothing. And then by the end, he's invoking a curse upon himself. In other words, I think this poor man's terrified, isn't he? He is freaking out. He's in a total headspin. No, no, I know nothing. Curse me. He's just out of it. But then we see at the end, clearer in Luke, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. If you actually look at the original language, the word bitterly, wept bitterly, it doesn't mean he burst into tears. It, it basically would literally say he threw himself on the ground in agony and tears. Lost it completely. So what we have here, we have a man who says, I can do it. He's discovered that he can't do it. And then he's fallen on the ground and wept. I don't think he's weeping because he got caught. It used to really annoy me when you're dealing with staff you're supervising, when they'd come in and be really sorry about something they'd messed up. And you'd know from them that what they were sorry about was the fact that they got caught. Same with kids. How often a kid, oh, I'm sorry I did that. No, I feel like saying, them, no, you're not. You're sorry you got caught. If you hadn't got caught, you would have been quite happy. I don't think that's Peter in this situation. I think he has realised what he has done. He did love Jesus. And he has not managed to hang on to the truth that he knew in his mind, but just hadn't come to full fruition. So Peter is a broken man. And moving along. This is after Jesus' resurrection in John 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. That's the first one. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three denials, three restorations. What's interesting is I like Peter's getting a bit frustrated. He's still a forward man, isn't he? He still said, you know everything. Why are you asking me a third time? Of course, he's asking a third time. He denied him three times and he wanted that back three times. So what we have is we have Jesus taking Peter and basically confirming his role as a leader. Now, if I had to pick a leader of the church, the guy who just denied me probably wouldn't be the guy to do it. In a human sense, I don't know if I would pick Peter as the leader. Why? Who wants a leader that tends to mess up? Who wants a leader that goes in, well, with, 
often without apparently thinking too deeply. Let's have a look at Peter's CV from the Scriptures. There's nine points, so I'll just read them to you. First one, Peter's name is mentioned more in the Gospel than anyone except for Jesus. Second one, no one speaks in the Gospel as often as Peter did other than Jesus. Third one, Jesus spoke to Peter more than to any other individual. Fourth one, Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. Fifth one, Peter was the only disciple who dared to rebuke Jesus. Sixth one, Peter confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any of the other disciples. Seven, Peter denied Jesus more forcibly and publicly than any of the other disciples, as we just saw. Peter, and then eight, Jesus praised Peter more than any of the other disciples. Nine, Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone among the disciples. Remember he said, get behind me, Satan. As we can see, Peter was out there. He was doing it. What he was, he was a leader that needed refinement. And what refinement did he need? He needed the pride to be broken and to be replaced by faith. He needed to be filled with the Spirit of God and given not the power of his own strength and confidence to do things, but the power of the Spirit. He needed to learn that in himself he could not do it. Paul said, that his strength was in his weakness. And Peter, with this point, had to be broken. He was a strong character that needed a powerful lesson. He was strong, but he was impetuous. His future lay not in his own strength, not in that. It lay in the gifts and talents he had been given, refined by the Holy Spirit. His future lay in what God was doing within his heart. If I was Peter at this point, I don't, well, okay, I think most of you would probably think similarly. If I was Peter and had messed up this badly, I would want to, I'll use a bad joke for those who get it, I would want to disappear under a rock. Sorry, for that, that, that's just a really silly joke. I would want to disappear under a rock. And I would want to meet none of the disciples again. Because I had sworn I would never deny Jesus and I'd done it big time publicly. I, I'd been the leader. I'd said, I'm strong, I can do this. And I'd fail completely. I would literally want to not meet them again. But Peter has been broken of that because what's that he's speaking is? Pride. That's what Peter had been broken of, his pride that said, I can do it. I can do it. He needed to learn the mantra that we all need to learn, and that is, I can't do it, but the power of God within me can. We need to learn the mantra that in my own strength, I, I'm nothing. But in the power of God, I can do all things that he would have me do. Very different sort of leader, isn't it? It's a leader who says, goes from saying, I'm the man, I can do it. Has anyone else ever worked for that guy? He's a shocker. I'm the man, I can do it. Just do what I say and you'll be right. To all work for the guy who Peter has now become who says, I'm following Jesus. I'm following God and he can do it. Listen to him. 
don't imitate me, imitate Jesus. Very different man. And it was that man that could go and face the other disciples. It was a man that learnt that pride was not the answer, that faith was the answer, that could go and talk to the others that could stand there. And I tell you what, I don't know, if he messed up this badly in the modern church, I reckon he'd be put on probation. Sidelined. The church people would all be looking at him saying, well, I don't know. He better just... But as we'll see, the other disciples accepted him too because they accepted Jesus' forgiveness. They were willing to say that as Jesus is forgiven, we forgive. We all, it says they'll all deny. They've also denied too. And they all sinned and they knew it. So they accepted him. So now let's look at his CV. We go into Acts now. Okay, Peter preached five sermons in Acts. Just after Pentecost in Acts 2, to the temple beggar in Acts 3, after his first arrest in Acts 4, after his second arrest in Acts 5, and at the home of Cornelius in Acts 10. I found that really interesting. Two of them are after his arrest. Just before this, what's he been trying to avoid? Arrest. But now he's actually willing to get arrested for what he believes. He's moved on. He's, he's just grown that. And each of these sermons has five common themes. <laughs> he wrote one sermon and preached it five times. No, he didn't. But the reality is that there was a core message and that was the message in his heart. And here's what it was. A statement that the audience or the people had killed Jesus. A statement that God has the last word by raising him from the dead. A statement that Jesus has been exalted and is the coming judge. A statement that now is the time to repent and put their full trust in Jesus in order that they might forgive, have forgiveness of sins, be baptised and receive the Holy Spirit. What did he preach? A straight gospel message. I love it. And it's a great thing to preach a gospel message because what don't you hear about in a gospel message? The ideas of the preacher, you hear about Jesus. And I have a sense here that, that Peter had taken himself out of it and just really got into Jesus. Peter had changed from the man who was about person to about God. And let's see how effective the sermons were. The first one in Acts 2 is a really powerful sermon. What's happened is the Holy Spirit has fallen upon the, 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 the disciples. They're speaking in tongues. The crowd is there rolling their eyes saying, what is going on here? What's this all about? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give an ear to my words. First thing to note, he is the accepted leader, isn't he? He's in that situation, who's going to speak? The others didn't say, no, nah, look, we'll do it. Or all but in at once. They all looked at Peter and he spoke. 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children, and for all far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. That's some sermon, isn't it? I cut out the middle, of course, but that's the end. I could lie in bed at night and think about that. Imagine preaching a sermon, have 3,000 people baptized and coming to the Lord. What we know from this, Peter was now not speaking in his own strength. Because at no point do we hear the 3,000 saying, oh, look, he's some stupid fisherman from some backwater. Why would we listen to him? Do you know what's speaking through Peter now? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter now is emboldened, he's enriched, and he's empowered to do the job that Jesus has called him to. And he speaks with power. We see a very different Peter now. We see a Peter who's getting the job done. We see a Peter who has changed us so much. So what does this mean for us? I can tell you what it means for us. It means that all of us sin and fail. Do you agree? You all sin and fail? Yeah, I agree with you too. Amen. Is it is. And you all have pride. Sorry, I'm being blunt. I like to be blunt at times. You all have pride. And messing up and pride block the will of God. But Jesus forgives. Jesus not only forgives, he restores. And when he forgives and restores, he also empowers. So do you want to be forgiven, restored and empowered? Do you want to know that your future in the kingdom of God is way better than your past? That's what the Spirit's all about. The power of the Spirit within Peter allowed him to fulfill his God-called purpose. The Spirit of God within you can allow you to fulfill your God-given purpose. Not in the way you expect, often more powerful ways than you can imagine. God's power is not limited to your imagination. Thank God for that. God's power will not necessarily take you in the places you mean to go, but it will take you to the places where God would have you. So, do you want that future? You have to allow God to work within you. But let's have a look. What happened after Peter messed up? He stood there and said, Jesus, I realize on an intellectual level that I've done the wrong thing. I realized that perhaps I messed up here a little bit, but there were extenuating circumstances. They were going to hurt me, and I needed to be ready to lead the church in the future. I had to keep myself safe so I could fulfill your purpose. 
hey, I find these excuses really to come up with. I didn't think of them beforehand. They're just coming up now. But it's easy. You know why? I reckon I've probably had practice. That's often what we replace repentance with. Is, God, I'm sorry, but. God, I messed up, but the devil. Working through that person who I no longer like. Or this, or that. Or I was only speeding because I was in a hurry. You know the stuff. That's not repentance. Repentance is what Peter did. What does it say he did? It says he wept bitterly. And the word, like I said, the word bitterly is a really powerful word. He was heartbroken. He was devastated. He is not there saying, God, I've done wrong. He's probably not even saying, God, forgive me. He's just saying, God, I can't live with what I've done. I can no longer stand myself. I, this is just awful. This is terrible. I cannot live with what I've done. And what does God say to him through Jesus? You don't have to. You don't have to live with that because you are forgiven. You are restored. You are made clean. And the future that was cut off is open. And it's not the future you expected, it's a better future. That's repentance. So, what's the message this morning? The message is that mankind killed Jesus. That God raised him from the dead. That Jesus is now exalted and will come to judge. And now is the time to repent. Even as believers, we need to repent. We need to turn back to Jesus time and time again. We need to repent with that passion in that heart. And that he will forgive us our sins and restore us to fellowship with God. That's the message. So what did I learn from Peter? I learned from Peter, hope. What a message of hope is this? Like I said, this is the big guy that messes up. This is the, I don't know, big, you know, you've all seen this sort of guy. The big guy that just goes for it, says what he thinks. You know, if you don't like it, bad luck. You can almost imagine Peter saying that sort of thing. But even he can be changed, restored, and renewed. You should be easy. But none of us are easy. So we all have this thing within us that rebels. But God has the power to do it. And there's one thing even more exciting, the fact that he has the power. He has the desire. He wants to. There's nothing more annoying than somebody has the power to help you and they refuse to do it. But God's never going to do that. He just wants you to do that, repent, to say, God, I'm so sorry I've messed up. And he will restore, renew and empower. So what we see here, Peter went from leader, major failure to true leader. That's a process I believe we can all go through from what God has placed in our heart and the power to be who God would have us be. So can we just stand and pray? I'd like now just, just to really 
seek the Lord in prayer. Father, we just do acknowledge, and I pray that everyone acknowledges that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Father, we have all failed. We have all done things that are just so wrong. And I pray, Father, that you help us to truly repent. To not to be sorry that you know, but to be sorry that we acted. And I pray, Father, that you do touch us with your spirit. You touch us with your power. And you come and you mightily restore us as we know your desire is. To fullness of fellowship with you. And I pray, Father, that in each of our heart is the knowledge of the truth of the love of God. That each of our minds and each of our souls is empowered by the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you come, you touch us, you empower us, and you lead us forward to a new and better future. In Jesus' name.